I'm Mike Vardy. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. So Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it, and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. And this is the Productivityist Podcast. Welcome to the Productivityist Podcast. I am your host, Mike Vardy, and this week on the show... I'm joined by James Sudakow. He is the author of Picking the Low-Hanging Fruit and other stupid stuff we say in the corporate world. We talk about the buzzwords that you may want to avoid that kind of get in the way. We, we talk about why we use corporate speak in the first place and how that can kind of affect our uh, the, the way an organization functions as well as the way we function. We talk about the idea of... Of, of how to stop doing that, how to, how to, where you can begin to start uh, seeing some of the, the, these words come to an end, and why plain speak is just a better way to go. We get into that and a whole bunch more here in this episode of the show. It's a fun conversation, and I'm glad you're here to join me for it. So let's just dive into it. Here's my conversations with James Sidakow on the Productivityist Podcast. Enjoy. 
I'd like to welcome James Sudakow to the Productivityist Podcast. James, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So let's let's dive into things right away. First off, you know, uh, we're going to talk about productivity, and we're going to talk about you know uh, some of the you know the buzzwords, all those things that, that are talked about. You know the. Uh, the, the, the weird things that we say, because you've got this book, Picking the Low-Hanging Fruit and the Stupid Stuff We Stay in a Corporate World. I love the cover, by the way. Absolutely oh, love the cover. Um, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about uh, just not not only – we're coming to the end of the year as we're, as this, this episode is, is airing. And why not be timely right off the top? And, you know, I mean, as we head out of a calendar year now, I don't, I don't start my year in January, but a lot of my listeners do. I kind of start my year to mirror up with the kids' school year. But – as we're as we're wrapping up this year, what are some of those weird things that we're saying, you know, that we that we should really get out of saying going into 2017 and maybe offer some replacement value words so that people can go in with, re, you know, for lack of better term, resolutions that they can use. So let's, yeah. start, let's start there. No, that's a great place to start. And, you know, there's a few, you know, how, how buzzwords go, you know, some have longevity and you just keep hearing them year after year. And then there are some that become like these trendy buzzwords that just get overused to the point of nauseam. And, and that's, that's, I think what you're asking, like, what have we just been abusing this year that we should just retire? Uh, there's probably a few that come to mind. The first one that just I hear constantly too much is is the ecosystem. And I don't know if you've heard this one, but somehow in the business world, we've turned the, the words around like structure or infrastructure and we started calling it ecosystem. And I don't know if that's that's some something that the you know, the the global warming and environmentalists should feel proud of that somehow in the business world, we've taken their term and are starting to apply it to to our world, but it gets abused and it gets used so frequently. And really, it's just trying to I get the concept of it. It's actually a really good concept for us, which is, hey, we need to understand that things are interdependent and that things are integrated. And when we do something over here, it has an impact down way over there. And so the concept of an ecosystem makes a lot of sense. But but I've even heard people joining a new company and they'll say, yeah, they talk about our, our structure and our org structure as an ecosystem. I'm not totally sure what that is, but I just call it org structure. So it might just be simplest just to kind of go back to what we all know it is, which is just kind of how the company is set up instead of calling it an ecosystem. So I don't know if you heard that one, but it's it's out there a lot. I've used uh, it, I've used it a, little, a few times, I must admit. <laughs> so have I. I have to admit like, <laughs> I have to. Um, so that's a big one. The other one that I hear a lot, there's probably three that I hear the most. The second one that I hear used extensively is the concept of the pivot. Um, and, and you know, I, I grew up as a basketball player, so I knew what a pivot was, you know, when I was in basketball practice. What's but the center? That's we, the, isn't that the center? The center is called the pivot. The pivot, yeah. You yeah. just kind of shift so you're looking a different direction, right? And so in the business world, they've started using the concept of the pivot. You know, I think it originally started, again, with good intent, this concept of a career pivot. Like we all get to different places in our careers where, you know, there's options and we might go left or we might go right or we might go this way or that way. And so they started talking about career pivots, which made a lot of sense. But then, of course, as we do, we started saying, well, we could apply pivots to everything. And I, I literally was sitting in a meeting the other day where someone said, OK, it's time to pivot to our next meeting topic. 
And I said, well, now we've completely lost it, right? If we we started, started talking about important things like career pivots, and now we're talking about meeting topic pivots. So the concept of the pivot as a way of just talking about shifting, we should keep that, in my opinion, to the really important things and not things like, you know, we're going to go to another topic. So I don't know if you've heard pivot, but that one has been out there a lot. I hear the term, you know, that I think the, the term pivot really got into the zeitgeist for people to use more often when with that Friends episode. <laughs> You know which one I'm talking about, right? I know exactly which one you're talking so it, about. It became like a, a word that you would use a little bit more. But I, I agree, like pivot really is mean like like you said, like shift gears or whatever. And actually, it's funny, as we were talking, uh, anyone who listens to the Patreon edition of, of the podcast, uh, so Patreon supporters would know that normally I'll say, let's shift gears for a second. Um, inst- I don't say let's pivot. Well, now you can. Now, now you, you can do it for another six weeks. Six, okay. eight weeks. <laughs> I'm going to let you do that. And when, <laughs> then you got to stop. What's that third word? Because uh, I have a feeling that – now, I don't use pivot very much. Um, and it, you're right. It's, and you know what? It's used in the tech world a lot too. Actually. Oh, yeah. It's, it's you know, I, generally when it's – we're not doing very well with our bi- current business model or – right. And really, pivot almost in that sense means let's scrap everything we've been doing and start something new. Yeah. Well, and, and you bring up something really interesting, uh, kind of in the tech world, it's got its own set of like business corporate talk. I remember when double clicking down became the big tech talk for oh, yeah. drilling down. And it's like, wow, now we have two ways of saying something obnoxious. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> what's yeah. that third? What's that third term? So the third one that, that and I think it's starting to taper off a little bit, but I saw it just a, a, a huge amount earlier in the year is this concept of reinventing and reimagining. It seems to have become the, the marketing branding guys go to phrase. Like if you remember, there's periods of time where we see the same marketing, you know, branding used everywhere. And there was a period where everybody was reinventing and reimagining everything. And I'll give you a real example. I, I saw an advertisement on television for motor oil that was being reimagined. And I can only like imagine myself coming home and telling my wife that I, that, Hey, I got this new motor oil. And the reason I got it is they're totally reimagining it. And she would look at me like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> right? So again, the concept of reimagining and reinventing, I think has its place, but it's just getting used on things that no one would possibly think about a need to reimagine. Right. And so that's my third one that we just got to stop using. And I think it's starting to kind of slow down a bit, but there was a while where it was just uh, everywhere. You know, it's funny as, as we're talking about this stuff, and this is what I love how it gets in these conversations because, you know, a lot of people might say, hey, why is James on your show? Like, I get it because, you know, there's there's, there's some different uh, – but what's – you know, I mean, because obviously there's some relationships to work and, and, and entrepreneurship and all that stuff. But I'm yeah. starting to think about this. You know, the term low-hanging fruit and yeah. tasks and all that stuff is like the easy stuff, right? Like, you yeah. know, the that's what we generally call it. But when I hear these 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 buzzwords, these these this terminology that's being used to kind of reimagine – no, uh, to <laughs> – <laughs> to, yes, to basically yep, more to, of that one. to basically color phrases to make them sound more um, fantastical or more important yeah. than they actually are. We yeah. do that with our tasks a lot. We do yeah. that with things that are like you know, I mean, things like email is a great example. People, oh my email, it's but really a lot of that's just busy work, right? What about yeah. the deeper work? Why that's do right. we do that with these words? Like, is it is it just to? Is it to disguise our our lack of awareness? Is it to make us sound more important? Is it those and more? Like what when in your book and, and in your research, why why did you like what have you discovered? Are the reasons that people are kind of using these words or in, or inventing them or or making them mean more than they actually should mean? What what what's what did you find? 
Well, it's, it's a great question. And actually, I think what I've found is there, and, and this might resonate with you, it resonated with me, it just gets abused, right? So what in, in the business world, no matter how big or small your company is, to your point about email, we are inundated with so much communication, right? There's email, there's text, there's, there's PowerPoints, there's presentations, there's just like a constant barrage of stuff coming at us. And one of the things that I have found is it all starts to blend together, right? I mean, especially if you're getting a ton of it coming at you and all from all different angles, it's really easy to kind of have it all just sound like noise. So what I think people are doing is they're trying to find ways to use language that actually stands out a little bit so people pay attention. Um, you know, you've probably sat through, I know I have, I've sat through thousands of death by PowerPoint presentations and you look around the room when they're happening and people are on their phones, they're texting, they're, they're you know, kind of like glazing over. And so when people are using some of these, what I call kind of like hyperbolic terms that are just kind of weird, I think the intent, there's a kernel of like goodness in there somewhere, which is we're just trying to kind of hear, have you hear us, get some, cut through the noise, let us kind of like pay attention to what you're actually saying. And that's good. I think the problem is when everybody gloms onto it and we start pivoting to meeting topics, right? And then we've kind of lost the kernel of value of what was there in trying to speak in ways that kind of resonate with people. And I know this when I was in an internal leadership role before I started my own consulting practice, you know, I would get up and I'd be trying to inspire the functions and the departments that worked for me. Um, and I would try to find interesting ways to kind of keep them engaged. Now, I never used any of these terms. In fact, I kept them engaged by saying I would never say any of these things. But at the same time, it was a way, I think, for people just to try to cut through the noise. And that's what I think people are trying to do. It just gets a little lost when it gets overdone. Yeah, it, you know, I, I agree. I think a lot of what happens is, and this is why you see the rise of, of technologies like Slack and things yeah. like that, because it's a different platform. It's a different way of getting them. It's, it, so instead of using the tried and true method of email, which is being, again, kind of, for lack of a better term, bastardized to be used for other tools, such as yeah. task management and stuff like that. It's like, okay, what, how do we, how do we, as an, in, as an organization internally get through? I know let's use instant messaging. We use that internally right. in it. So when it comes to the terms that you're using, like, like words, how, how important is it for us to define the intention of these words versus just throwing them out there because we read or heard them somewhere? Like how, how important is it, is it for us to kind of do that? And then how do we do that? How do we say, okay, we're going to define this term as such within our organization or, or, or should we just basically be saying, look, let's just speak plainly and here's how we can sound yeah. great while doing so. Well, so so I'm actually a big fan of the latter of actually just speaking in plain English. But I mean, to one point to your to your first question, I'll give you a great example of a term that's thrown out there that I just don't think there is a alignment on what it even means is, you know, and you've heard this. It's used a lot. Uh, paradigm shift. Yep. Right? So you'll go into businesses and they talk about paradigm shifts. And, you know, if you were to ask 10 people, what does a paradigm shift look like? I think you're going to get 10 different answers. And some of them will be like, I don't really care what a paradigm shift looks like. Don't talk to me about paradigm shifts. So I think it is important when if we're going to use the words, we have to define them. I guess where I would go is I would say, why even use them? Because, you know, especially when leaders are using those words, um, you've probably seen a lot of the research out there on credibility and common ground and the ability to influence based upon being credible and being perceived as a common person. When we use all these expressions like this, it doesn't actually help the cause to get people to say, hey, I can relate to this guy. 
Well, because I don't talk that way. And so my my lobby would be to stop using it altogether. And I can even give you an example. I was working with a client a few weeks ago and I was, you know, we were in a, in a brainstorming exercise. So I was writing some stuff up on the flip chart and I said something in my usual way. It probably had the word stuff in it. Um, and they looked at me and they're like, yeah, yeah, that's why we like you, James. You talk like a normal person. Right. <laughs> and so that was that was good because that basically meant they were engaged. And what I was saying was resonating and they weren't sitting there saying, you know, why did this guy talk about wheelhouses or paradigms? shifts or other weird stuff what how because you, so you're talking about getting away in the way of credibility like these phrases yeah. right yeah um how how do you stop that like how do you, i mean other than speaking plainly and like do you set the expectation right from the get-go because it does waste a lot of time you know like so do you, like how do you do that in an organization where these words are flowing freely that you know make little to no sense to someone new to the to the ecosystem um <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know by the way a background as as doing as, as a bit of comedy so i'll do callbacks a lot when it comes to this so yeah. it's not me it's not me being reductive it's just me being you know so how do you how do you oh wait a minute i like it how do you um how do you how do you do that in an organization that's already firmly entrenched in using phrases like this well you know the funny thing it's a great question i'm not sure i have a great answer but what i what i can give you some thoughts on it I, what the funny thing is Organizations get entrenched in language, but I started kind of trying to understand why are you even entrenched in this language? And if you ask people, why do you use this expression? Many of them just say because we all use it. And that's kind of the, the point that you're making. And I, I can give you an example. I One of my most hated expressions is baking people into a process. And I don't know why that one just annoys me. It's just such a weird concept. It, it just means to include, but somehow we've decided we're going to say baking people into a process. Um, so I was actually working with a client of mine and I sat in a meeting for an hour where I think it was said seven or eight times. I came out of that meeting and had to do a presentation and I used it, uh, not purposefully, but because it just was proliferating, right? I, I, I like rubbed off on me. And so, you know, what I have found actually works and I actually did this with my first teams that ever reported to me when I started working in the corporate world after after I uh, left the business world in Deloitte Consulting, I had a few of my team members basically said to me, you know, you talk kind of funny. And I said, well, how? I, I don't want to talk funny. I want to talk like a normal guy. And they said, you know, how about you give us five expressions and we'll call you out on them when you say them. And that's what we did. And what was really funny is it became kind of a team building kind of thing. I used them. They used to call me out on them. And eventually I stopped. Uh, and we had a good time doing it and actually built a relationship with my team as a result of it. So it was kind of an interesting process. One of your blog posts, I want to share this with people, is the uh, your blog post is from May of 2016. And it's the uh, a new approach to ridding us of stupid corporate lingo. Yeah. And I love it because you're you're basically tackling that by showing how ridiculous it is. Yeah. You read this open letter. Um, I'm going to link, I'm gonna link I it in the show. with that. <laughs> I'm going to link it in the show notes for sure. But so in in this post, and I imagine that this is something like you said, like you just said, you know, you're, you were called out on it. Um, this is this is one great way to do it. It's just kind of say, look how stupid we're sounding. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because the, the whole kind of joke around that post was and, and I, it came to me because I do a lot of change management work with organizations to say, look, how are you going to get people to change behavior or change what they're doing? And one of the biggest mistakes we all make is we speak to people in our language. We don't speak to people in the language that they speak. And I don't mean like foreign languages. I just mean 
you know, talk to finance people in numbers because that's what the what that's their language. Right. And so the joke of this this post was, well, maybe we need to talk to people in jargon so that they even listen to us. Right. So in some ways, doing what I did on that post was kind of an attempt to say, look how silly we look, just to your point. But it's also kind of got a little bit of a more subtle meaning, which is, hey, if you want to change behavior, we have to speak to people in a language that they're listening to. And if that means I got to confront you with how kind of funny we sound when we talk by talking the same way, then maybe that's the way to do it. And that's kind of what my team did to me, uh, which was kind of funny when I look back on it. That's exactly what they did to me, whether they knew they were doing that or not. That That's what happened. Does language mask larger problems in organizations? You do consulting, which I'll also link to in the, in the, in the show notes. Um, yeah. Did you find that, that the lingo and the language that's used can mask larger problems in organizations? Uh, like, what do you mean? I think I, I think that, uh, like, but I like, want to make sure. I- like, you know, I mean, again, we get back to that idea of self-importance or making yeah. a sound that we're doing really depth work that goes deep. And you've got these these fancy words. Well, well I mean, again, that idea of pivot, right? Like yeah. I mentioned right off the top where it's like, hey, we're going to pivot. Well, that means in, in the startup world, um, what we were doing and the product we were making isn't working. So we're going to make a whole new product. Yeah. Which, which, you know, and it sounds more uh, intelligent, you know, than, oh, OK, well, this is just it's common for uh, for for organizations to pivot in the startup world. So this yeah. is just par for the course, as opposed to hold on a second. How did we get here in the first place? So th- I guess yeah. that's what I'm, I'm getting at there. Yeah. No, no, I, I actually think it does. Actually, it's a mask in many ways. And I don't think people are purposeful about this, but. You know, we all want to sound like we know what we're doing. We all want to sound credible. Um, And so if these are words that help us sound like we either have inside knowledge about something or we know about how something works that others might not. And there's a special term for it. I think people try to use it. It's the same thing as acronyms. Right. You know, people kind of show they're in the know or they're in the inside crowd because they use acronyms. Um, and, you know, we were doing something with with a client not that long ago, and it's it's an acronym that that in our world we use all the time, but we forget that not everybody knows it. It's the WIFM, you know, the what's in it for me, W-I-I-F-M. And it was it was all over the presentation. And one of the ops people finally just raised their hand and said, what 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 is the, the WIFM? Like they didn't know what it was. And again, we even made the mistake of overusing an acronym. But it's the same thing as terminology because it's insider knowledge. Right. It's I know what this term means. And then our, our constant attention span issues in the business world today to shorten stuff. I think that's where some of this also goes to. Um, but I do think it masks something in the fact that not everybody knows what these terms mean. And that was kind of the surprising thing that I found after writing this book. I wrote it mostly as a tongue in cheek way of saying, let's stop this because we just sound dumb. But I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and said, you know, I've worked in the business world for a while and I didn't I never knew what that term meant. So it was almost like educational for them. So think about it from a productivity perspective. If there are people who don't know what certain terms mean, but yet they feel like they're supposed to, that may have some impact on how effectively they're going to do their work. And I know that was the case for me when I started at Deloitte. And these these terms were being hurled around me left, right and center. And I was looking around like. Well, I'm going to keep a poker face, but does everybody else around me know what this stuff means? Because I'm not really sure I'm understanding this. Right. So there is an actual basic productivity issue that's that's going on when when we think everybody knows what these terms mean just because they're used frequently doesn't mean everybody actually knows what they mean. Another uh, I want to get into acronyms here in a minute, but uh, and actually maybe we'll dive into them right now. What the heck? I'm an acronym guy. I like acronyms because, uh, you know, in, in my world. 
when you're, especially when I'm trying to teach people a new mindset when it comes to task management and time management, hell, my now year method, the now stands for deal with the things you need to do, decide on the things you ought to do and do more of what you want to do. So yeah. it, 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 there's something about the stickiness of those, but, yeah. but why, what are the, first off, what are the benefits of an acronym that you find? And then when do you think that they get kind of out of control? Yeah. So I think the benefits are in the in the cases that you've just used, if there is something purposeful to the acronym um, and it's part of a bigger thing, then I think it makes perfect sense. And actually, I think sometimes, um, you know, they can be quite useful because they're memorable. Right. So mm-hmm. they kind of create a little bit of a of a catchiness. Right. The whole kind of issue that I was talking about at the beginning of the call. Right. How do you stand out above the noise? Sometimes an acronym actually helps you do it if it's purposeful and meaningful, like like your example, which I think is great. I think they're they're a problem when they're just a mechanism to shorten something Mm. and when they get overused and not defined. Right. So one of the things that I see happening all the time is like and this is like a made up word, the acronymization of everything. Like like KFC, which was Kentucky Fried Chicken. Right. And the reason they took the I think the reason they took the C out is because it's not real chicken. Maybe that (laughs) That might be that might be. <laughs> but that's a great example because if you were to sit down and say, why did you turn that into an acronym? There's no good reason other than they're just trying to shorten it. Right. And I see that happening all the time. And then what happens is, you know, and I'm on social media, so I, I do social media, but social media is a great example of it. We start speaking in sound bites and even acronym sound bites that nobody really has context for. So I think the really important thing is if we're going to use acronyms similar to weird corporate jargon, but acronyms can actually be purposeful. We just got to define them for people. And that's what we should have done with the WIFM example. We should have said, hey, one of the things we're looking at here is what's in it for me, which in the rest of this document, we're just going to write as WIFM. Um, but now that we know what it is, we can have that conversation. And that often doesn't get done because we just start speaking in acronyms in such short contexts. What do you do as a person, as an individual, you're in your own, you know, what can you do as an individual to kind of stop the madness and stop, quote, picking the low hanging fruit when it comes to this stuff? What can, where, like just what's one small win someone can start that maybe can uh, result in a shift? You know, one of the things that I actually did and it helped me significantly and it's, it's actually, I've had several others do the same thing is. Just when you're making a presentation and we all do this, we put our presentations together and then we prep and we kind of say, okay, how do I want to talk about this and how do I want to talk about this? I inevitably found that I was using one of these expressions somewhere in there and I just consciously said, okay, I'm going to say it differently this time. And I do a lot of facilitation. I do a lot of presentations to people and my clients and I still do it. I still kind of say, okay, this one, I'm going to logically fall to deliverables or I'm going to fall to, you know, picking the low hanging fruit or I'm going to fall into something else. I have to consciously say this time, this presentation, I'm going to say it in normal language. And then over time, what started to happen with me is the normal language becomes the habit, not the weird corporate jargon language, which has become a habit for all of us, right? And habits are hard to break. It just takes a while to create a new habit. So that's how I've done it. And it's actually worked pretty effectively to the point where I I had to consciously force myself to exchange normal language for corporate jargon for this one expression. And then I did it again for another one. And over time, then it became easier. James, I've had a fantastic time chatting with you today. This has been great. Oh, Uh, thanks. That's been a lot of fun. Where can people get, first off, tell people a little bit about your book and then where can people, where else can people find you online? 
Yeah. So, uh, so my book is Picking the Low-Hanging Fruit and Other Stupid Stuff We Say in the Corporate World. It's available on Amazon. And it's, it's basically a, a tongue-in-cheek glossary of um, some of the most abused terms that we all lob around. You know, we define it, we make literal definitions of it, and it's got some really funny artwork in there. I have a great artist who used to work for Disney who jumped on board with this thing and, and had a good time writing it with me. Um, and as I said, you can get it on, on Amazon. You can also go to my website, which is simply jamessudical.com. And I also do a, a weekly um, article for Inc.com. So I do some writing there um, as well. Awesome. Awesome. And you're on Twitter as well, right? I am. Yes. Even 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 uh, even doing occasional shortening of, of, of words there as well. Yeah, I'll do it. I, I do it. And I'll admit to it. <laughs> <laughs> thanks again for joining me this week, James. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been fun. And that does it for this week's episode. Thanks to James for joining me on the show. You can find all the stuff we talked about either on the blog post where the show notes reside or in the podcast player of choice that you're using where they also reside. Now, there's more stuff that we delivered to our Patreon supporters. My Patreon supporters got an additional 10 minutes, actually almost 11 minutes of content this week. We dove into a few other things that you would only get if you're a Patreon supporter. So head over to patreon.com slash productivityist if you'd like to support the show in a monetary fashion. There's lots of perks there and stuff that you can uh, uh, get as well, and uh, as well as additional weekly episodes that uh, are bonus episodes and a whole bunch of cool stuff. So head over to patreon.com slash productivityist if you're interested in supporting the show that way. If you can't do that or aren't willing to do that, totally cool. I'd love to get a rating or review of the show in iTunes uh, or wherever you're listening to your podcasts. So that way we can have more people discover the show and I can work on making the show better and better. Thanks to John Polster for producing the show as always. Thanks to all of you for joining me. And until next time, I am Mike Vardy, the founder of Productivityist and host of the Productivityist podcast, reminding you to stop guessing and start going. (laughs) 